peligro, aroma de gol, Marta, gol. That's the question we're going to try and get into. That's the question we're going to try to answer. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to go ahead and run down the scores. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm Andre. I'm here with I'm Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Hello. Yes, we're going to get into it because, good Lord, sleep deprivation and frustration is just a bad combination. Uh, did not mean to rhyme there at all. Um, sorry. Apologies. <laughs> Uh, let's start with the, let's just do the scores real quick. Um, the U.S. and Australia played to a, a riveting nil-nil draw. Uh, New Zealand lost to Sweden 2-0. Canada and Great Britain tied 1-1. That's unfortunate because Canada was leading late, and I believe it was a, delect, a deflected shot from Caroline Weir that got in. Uh, then Chile lost to Japan 1-0. Netherlands 8, China 2 and Brazil and Zambia played a match that you know what I want to I want to talk about this match a little bit first before we get into the US women's national team mm-hmm. because this match was like I said last pod this match was one that I was really looking forward to it had a lot of potential to be like a straight up banger and it was good but the referee also messed it up <laughs> very <laughs> in very NWSL uh, style the referee really got in the way of this match early, and it was a breakaway by Ludmila who got in behind Zambia's defense, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, and there was a collision with the goalkeeper. She slid in. There was a knee that went to the goalkeeper's head as they were both sliding and obviously running in opposite directions, you know, toward each other. And it looked really bad. There was a really long delay. It was hoping that the players were going to be all right. Um, the Zambia goalkeeper had to be replaced. And then during, during the delay, while all the players were on the ground, VAR de- decides that it's their time to shine because the referee made a call, but then VAR just decided to be like, hey, now that we have this break in the action, let's go ahead and take a look and see if we can mess this game up. And it did. So the referee runs over there, checks VAR, and for some reason opts to not give a penalty, opts to give a red card. Um, saying that the foul occurred outside of the box, which it did not, and sent off a Zambia player, and Brazil scores from the ensuing free kick, and that's the goal that wins the game. So honestly, shout out to uh, to Zambia for staying, you know, keeping it so tight, keeping it a one nil, uh, just a one nil scoreline for the rest of the match. But eleven v eleven, this would have been a very interesting and very different match. Yeah, I did not watch. In full transparency, I did not watch a lot of this match uh, because I was taking a nap <laughs> because I have like six jobs during the Olympics. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really, I tweeted this out. I really wanted Barbara Banda to, sto- to score. Um, as we learned with the other matches right now, for example, uh, Vivian Miedema is the top scorer at the tournament and like, you know, broke Christine Sinclair's record for most goals in a tournament. And I just, I wanted that. I wanted that for Barbara. I did like two consecutive hat tricks. Like you deserve the golden boot just on that. Like I know that there are a lot of other goals have been scored, but I just really wanted that for Banda. 
And I believe if the match had been allowed to be 11 v 11 like it should have been, I believe she would have gotten at least a couple because she was so dangerous and Zambia really knew how to work work and find her in those channels. And there there were a couple times when she got behind and got a got one shot on goal in particular. Uh, Barbara had to make a, a, a diving save with one hand because that shot was heading towards the top corner. Like mm. she she was balling. And it's just it just really is unfortunate that like against Brazil, hard to play them with eleven, with ten, it's just it's just brutal. So, you know, I'm I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see it, but that's that. Still got those two hat tricks, like you said. Still, to me, still the story of the group stages. Um, Zambia and Barbara Vanda with that outrageous, you know, back consecutive hat tricks. Like, to me, that's still the story of the group stages. However, if you narrow things down and you look at it from perhaps the U.S. perspective, there is a bigger story. That story being, Blacko, what the hell are you doing? I mean... Yeah, so getting into this match, let's let's start from the top. Lineup on our last uh, on our last recap pod. I remember you had mentioned that you had wanted to see Tierna Davidson and Becky Sarabrun. I also wanted to see that. I just didn't think that Vlaka was actually going to do it. Like I don't know why. I was like he sometimes he just you know sticks to the mold, keeps it like the way it's been. Um, but that change actually happened. And so for that, I when I woke up at. 3.45 this morning. I was pleasantly surprised to see that. Um, for the rest of the lineup, I, you know, across that back line, uh, you had Crystal on one side, O'Hara on the other, and then you had a midfield trio of Mewis, Ertz, and Roosevelt, which is what I was expecting because I thought, okay, set pieces, going to need someone to help on set pieces. Who's extra tall? Sam Mewis. Just like just that aerial um, threat is also helpful. And then the front line of Meg Rapino, Alex Morgan, and Kristen Press. I I mean, to me, the only really the only surprise of this lineup was the center back pairing. Um, and as we're definitely gonna get into later, I think it was a like a great decision. I thought Tierna Davidson and Becky Sauron both together played really, really well. Um, even though there were, you know, a few moments where there were like that of one or two headers in the box where it was like the ball bounced to the ground and nothing happened. Um, besides that, I thought they played really well. And then I also thought that Julie Ertz played, I mean, I thought she played really, really well. She had a, I tweeted about it. She had a, one really, really good tackle on Sam Kerr, who was probably near the six yard box um, and just happened to get, you know, a foot in there uh, to really probably, I would have honestly, I thought Sam Kerr would probably would have scored that. So I thought defensively the U S was sound, but really, the problem comes with the offense. So, Andre, can you please explain to our listeners some of our offensive problems from today? Oh, well, yes, I can. Um, personnel, passing, um, you know, being able to do those things. Um, pressing, uh, creating chances, um, finding a way to hurt uh, the defense, get into gaps, um, create danger, you know, do those things on the pitch that you know, lead to goals. Yeah, it was everything. Uh, I, I know you mentioned the the surprise was Tierna Davidson getting in. I did read that um, it was perhaps a planned thing that they were going to give Abby Dawkins for some rest. You know, they rested Becky Sauerbrunn in the previous match. So that's interesting to me. I was, I, again, that, that it almost seems like this team is being like coached by a spreadsheet instead of actual like performance and like op and, and like what the opposition is doing because i get 
Tierna Davidson starting next to Becky Sauerbrunn, if it's performance-based, right? If Abby right. Dahlkemper hadn't been struggling, I think I probably would have preferred to see her in there because that pairing is important. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it, that part is strange. And I also don't understand Megan Rapinoe. I don't understand why she started the match. She hadn't really done a whole lot performance-wise uh, in the in the time that she has had on the pitch. And I didn't really understand that. Um, clearly, we know, having suffered through that match, that the plan was to not press at all, was to not go forward at all. So I guess instead oh, of putting Lynn Williams in there and telling her not to run, <laughs> um, I, I suppose that's why you do that. But just... So frustrating to have like a team this talented and potentially this very good, like like top to bottom should be one of the most talented roster is one of the most talented squads in this Olympic tournament. And they play, they've played so passively and so disjointedly, (laughs) like the passing was just brutal. I saw that, what was that, NWSL Analytica at halftime, dropped the halftime stats from Opta and it was oh, just, God. it was just brutal. I mean, uh, it, uh, oh, like passing accuracy for the U.S. was 61%, 61. They had like 37% of possession. Like I understand like Australia coming out and saying like, all right, we need to play for a draw here. A draw gets us through more than likely. So let's play for a draw. That was not what the United States was doing. I know that became like the line after the match that we, you know, we executed the game plan and got the point that we needed to advance. But don't lie to me. <laughs> like that was not the game plan. Y'all just played like crap for like th- the majority of the match, like 90, 95% of the match. I think really that chance that Alice Morgan had where she had a kind of hit a, a, a shoulder high shot instead of keeping it low. Uh, when she had that one-on-one that Rose Lavelle sent her through with a really, really nice first-time kind of lofted through ball. That was one chance that I remember. And then I think Kristen Press had another chance where, unfortunately, her touch took her away from goal and not towards goal, and she wasn't able to do anything with that. I And I think that's really it that I remember in terms of being dangerous. So, like, nah, this wasn't them playing for the draw and, and, and doing the game plan thing. This just became the thing they tell them, they're telling themselves and other and everybody else to make them feel better about what they just did. Yeah. And with that, so I, I also tweeted about those halftime stats um, and the three that the besides passing accuracy that also really stood out to me were um, duels one. It was, I will first actually, sorry. The first thing that I initially saw was you saw the map of misplaced passes it's all red lines no passes were truly made it's hilarious to me that like the passing accuracy probably at the end was around 60 or something like that because i was like are we sure that there are this many this many pack like uh um like this much passing accuracy because if you look at this map it's uh not pretty it's not pretty at all um but the other Let's run let's run through the the and this was for the first half. Let's just call it out and run through the passes. Uh Ertz had four successful passes out of eleven. Roosevelt, four successful out of five. Sam Mewis, eight successful out of nineteen. Kristen Press, two successful out of five, and Megan Rapinoe, five successful out of ten. That's a whole lot of passes not finding anybody they're supposed to find. It was whew, yeah, it was Really not pretty. Um, and then, but the other stat, the other two stats that stood out to me, one was duels one, where the US only won 40%, while Australia won 60%. Um, and then also tackles one, 
the U.S. 33%, Australia 73%. So it was like they, and even though, I mean, shots, technically it was like three to seven um, in total, three being the U.S., seven being Australia, but on target it was only two to three. So that didn't necessarily really stick, like it stuck out to me, but just kind of in conjunction with the rest of those stats. So I was like, there are, (laughs) I was like, this is not, honestly, like to be super clear, like, offensively not playing well at all when you see those passing stats like literally when you I'm looking at this right now when you see this graph of just all these misplaced passes um it wasn't pretty and to me I was really confused and I tweeted about this as well um was why did we abandon the system if that makes sense like was that the lesson maybe learned from Sweden was like oh we're not going to do the style that the like fans media members, people around the world have kind of seen for this past two years that Vlaco has been in charge, uh, in charge, like there was no press. And also there was like no urgency, like truly to me, the only urgency I ever saw was, um, was probably around the, or actually I would say for the most part, Roosevelt was like, for me, the last two games, she was like, I want to score a goal. And so I'm going to do everything I can to score a goal, but it just like, it wasn't clicking offensively. I don't think they necessarily looked tired, but it was just like no high press. And it was just like, why are we playing it safe? We're supposed to be the, like, or right now we're ranked number one team in the world. Like this is a team with the target on their back. Why are you playing safe? And if that is the, and also, sorry, I just want to quickly touch on the mentality thing. Cause we talked about that um, in our last podcast episode, but it's like also mentality doesn't matter if you don't show up. Like mentality can be a competitive edge if you're there and it's kind of cagey and you're like, you know, we're just going to do this and it's like, we're just going to get it done. But if you don't show up properly the first time, then mentality doesn't matter. And so it makes me ask the question, what were the lessons learned from Sweden? Yeah. I, I have a whole lot of questions about what we're seeing because this was not the team we were kind of promised, right? From from you know when Blacko took over in October of 2019, which I still like think he's a good coach and and everything, but like I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure if like Sweden completely like short circuited them and they've just they're just clawing and trying to get themselves back if they were really punched in the mouth and they have a hard time like recovering from that. I don't really know what's going on, but this is not the team we were promised. This is not the team that the talent pool suggests we should be watching. We should have. This is not the way we should be playing. This is like, this is straight up like, it's it's mind boggling. It's like, just, you know what it's like? It's like buying, it's like hopping in a Ferrari, right? And then you just like cut out, just, just completely cut out the floor and just, and just instead of actually like turning the key and turning it on, you just like cut the, cut a hole in the floor and do like the Fred Flintstone thing. And you just run around with it. Like, that's how you make it go. Like, this doesn't make any sense with this team. This team should never, ever, ever play like this. And like you said, like, I, I think it's real dangerous, too, especially them talking about this was the game plan. One, I don't believe you. But if it is, you why? think you're just going to be able to, t- right? Number one, why? But number two, you think you're just going to be able to turn it on suddenly after the team hasn't looked good at all in these Olympics? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And the the other part is, for me, the, the real frustrating thing is this team plays, this national team, the U.S. Women's National Team, plays a lot more matches than most other teams out there. Like, we've played a lot of matches. So that, even during a pandemic. 
So that means like like there were some teams that came in that didn't have any matches. Like team we talked about Team GB. We talked about Zambia who didn't have a match. You know, we New talked Zealand. about some other team. Yeah, New Zealand who didn't have a match. Like you talk about that and these performances, I'm not saying those those teams, you know, aren't aren't to the talent level of the US Women's national team. And they're still coming in and finding way to actually like play decently play cohesively. And yeah, of course, New Zealand and Zambia aren't, you know, moving on or, or advancing, but you didn't have performances like this where they just look completely overmatched. I mean, Zambia gave up 10 goals to the Netherlands, but scored three, <laughs> like, right. you know, like they're, they're coming in there and they're trying to actually play. And this is not what we're used to, to this team. And to have all that time on the pitch and, to, and and for it to immediately, like immediately, like 45 minutes into your Olympic tournament, come down to, oh my God, we need Julie Ertz. We can't play without Julie Ertz. Like she was supposed mm-hmm. to, everything we were told before was that she was supposed to be like slowly building fitness. Yeah, we're getting ready for the knockout rounds. Instead, we're like, we got to have her on the pitch for 90 minutes. Starting with the first four, the very first 45 minutes we played, she's been in for 90 minutes the, the rest of the time. And it's just so, so, so confusing, and I do not get it. And if that was going to be the case, why did we not prepare for that? Why did we not learn how to play without her? Why did we not figure out how to shuffle the lineup, shuffle formations, find bring a player who players. can yeah, bring in players who could maybe do a job? that Julie Ertz does instead of trying to say, mm, Lindsay Horan, go do that because that didn't work. So like, it's just, I'm confused and I have so many questions, but also I'm so frustrated with this team to where I almost don't even care about the answers to these questions because these are questions that we've, we had before the tournament. And we just said like, all right, if you're not going to answer them, we're going to assume you know what you're doing. This did not look at all like they know what they're doing. This is an unfamiliar team completely to me. I don't know what this is. Yeah. And one thing I was also confused about, because I I mean, we've watched a lot of high pressing teams like Chelsea at time have uh, the men's side and even actually the women's side too have, you know, high pressed. And, and I think the one thing that was also confusing to me. So I was like, okay, it seems like our game plan is to beat Australia on the counter. Right. I don't understand why we still couldn't, press with that because it's like i mean i've i've seen yeah we've probably seen a bunch of teams bunker in and try to you know beat someone on the counter attack but we've also seen a bunch of teams still with that high press we're like fine we'll give you the ball but we'll consistently pressure you for it get high like you know get a high turnover up the field and try to score is that like also is that not what we <laughs> is that not what we've also seen in the first few matches of Vlaco? and also like you know even going back to portions of like Jill Ellis's tenure like we've seen this before and because we've also talked about how like what is it 11 currently of this squad were in the 2016 Olympics uh and and there's only been well pre the alternates becoming members of the full squad there was only one change between the 2019 World Cup squad and this squad like I just (laughs) I don't know it's so confusing to me setting up the team this way and just fully going against your fundamentals. And I feel like part of that also came through of, I mean, we did see one offside for Alex Morgan's goal, which was really unfortunate, but we also saw like, you know, other bits and pieces of offside in the match as well. And it's like, to me, part of that comes from players like trying to maybe 
abandon the game plan maybe a little bit and like try to bomb forward or something, but also still not being on the same page. Because I mean, it talks about these misplaced passes and just being, you know, super disjointed. <laughs> I feel like everywhere truly, except for like the back line passing between each other, not even passing forward. So it's just like very confusing to me. And it's like, is this progression right now? Because to me, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't look like progression. And it really looks like regression. Like coming into the Olympics, the team, this team, besides like, honestly, besides actually putting the ball in the back of the net, but in creating offensive chances, being solid defensively, having, you know, a great midfield, even without Julie Ertz, even though we saw that like better qual, um, better teams would pose a problem. There was no, like, at least to me, and maybe this is American bias, there was nothing where I was like, oh, I don't expect this team to not show up during the Olympics. Yeah, I I think, and I think that's a good point. Like, if you're not going to press, do you have other ways to manufacture chances? (laughs) Like, that's the other thing. Like, you don't have, like, teams don't have to press to generate opportunities, you can like through movement and passing and passing combinations and things like that. Even if you go long ball route, right, to get behind the defense, there mm-hmm. are things you can do to hurt the other team. You don't just have to say, okay, we're not pressing. So, well, guess we're not going to play any offensive football at all. So right. like that was just so confusing. And, and like just uh, again, to kind of like underscore it, I want to go back to stats because we read the halftime stats. The full-time stats are not any better. possession for the United States, 35% possession for the United States. It's just awful. Only 322 passes. Australia had 596 passes. Basically, we just sat back and let them pass to their center backs until the clock ran out. Like, like, and people got up at, people, myself included, got up at 4 a.m. Eastern time for that. Like, it was just, to me, it's like disrespectful. And then, then you look at, you know, passing accuracy for the for the whole squad, right? And Sauerbrunn had 82.8. Davison had 89.8. Nobody else was in the 80s. Kelly O'Hara, 73.5. Uh, Crystal Dunn, 72.7. Julie Ertz, 52%. Sam Mewis, 41.7. Roosevelt, 52.9. Alex Morgan, 50%. Like, Megan Rapino 64.7. Kristen Press, 66.7. Like... Alex Morgan, fifty percent. Yeah, like like this this team was unrecognizable, and I agree with you. Like regression is really the only word that can really be said because that was not anything at all like we've seen from this team or 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 have come to expect. Like this team has told us what to expect from them, and like given all the the build up matches, you know the win, you know that they had that one match against Sweden in April where it was one one and it was a little scary and it really exposed a lot of the flaws. We didn't do anything to fix that to face Sweden and haven't done anything to fix it since that match <laughs> against New Zealand or Australia. So like, I, I just, fine. I like, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. Yeah. And it's like, you know, maybe regression is like a very harsh word to use, but it's also, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I, I'm honestly, like, I mean, I've said it a few times of just being confused, but it's also like, like what is it like? Is it because at the very last minute, it seems like we're shifting tactically? Is it because of the heat? Like, you know, and I understand, actually, no, with specifically with the U.S. national team. I don't understand playing for a draw with the talent you have on the field, on the bench. Never. 
in your talent pool. Like it does not make sense to me, but playing to like, you can still play to a draw <laughs> and still do things like you can play to a draw. Like or, you're, you know, it's like playing to a draw and then you just happen to sneak out the win. But it's just like, there was, there was no building of momentum from New Zealand to this match. And and I mean, the question you have to ask is why? Like, I don't, I mean, I wish I had the stats off the top of my head of how many times um, the U.S. has beaten Australia, but like, it's happened before. There's no reason why it couldn't happen again. Yeah, the, the U.S. ends their group stage with a record of one, one, and one with a goal differential of plus two, and that's with scoring six goals against New Zealand. So um, that's where they're at. And like you said, I guess I guess we're just going to see what happens in the knockout rounds because, like, this group performance has been awful. Like, uh, sure, they got out of the group. Congratulations. But it really feels like they they really, like, clawed their way, hands and knees, to get through it. And they made it as painful as possible for themselves and for us. <laughs> so appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> um uh, do you have anything else to say before we kind of go through the next matches that kick off uh, the knockout rounds uh, starting Friday, July 30th? Yeah, I think the only thing I have to add is, you know, we've talked about subs and then being game changers and XYZ. And I feel like this was the first time where subs came on and there was, for the most part, like even in the Sweden game, having like Juliards come on, um, like there was, while it was a huge impact, there was like at least some difference. And I feel like with this match, there was just like, they came on and it was like, uh, like nothing really changed. Like at one point, it, to me, it looked like at points that <laughs> Lynn and even Carly Lloyd, like were trying to do things, but were of two minds of like, I must stick to the game plan, but also me fundamentally as a soccer player, like I want to go score goals. Yeah, like I'm real glad that Lynn got in the match. This, this now she is an official Olympian, so that was real dope to see. Olympian, yeah, there you go. But it was also (laughs) like real frustrating. And I think Neil Morris, who covers the uh, North Carolina Courage, tweeted this out too: is that it's just brutal to see a player with Lynn Williams' abilities and in a match like this where she could have been so dangerous and so effective. It's so brutal to see her come in and basically just stand there. Like she wasn't allowed to go and do anything to to play her game, to go press center backs, to win the ball up high, to get in transition moments. Like she wasn't allowed to do any of that stuff. And it's just like, why are you doing this to these players, man? (laughs) Like, can you let them shine? Right. And actually I would do, I just pulled up the tweet and it says, watching Vlaco defang Lynn Williams is the most nihilistic part of this match. Which, facts. And I mean, we were all tweeting about it. Like this match was crying. I mean, even with, we I mean, we said it with the Sweden match, but she wasn't on the bench. Um, and I also understand not starting her because she apparently had a knock the past two matches. But it's like, it was we were all crying out for Lynn Williams of like, add in spark, add in energy, <laughs> like add in like something to this match. And, you know, they she was put in with a, like, even Christy Mewis, which I feel like she comes in and just sometimes causes chaos in the best way. And it was like, no, we're just going to keep this, instead of making this match, you know, hot, spicy, going to keep it as some lukewarm broth. Just ridiculous. So uh, anyway, let's 
let's look ahead a little bit because the next round is coming up. It is Friday. We don't even get like a full week to process this. We only get a couple days. So Friday early in the morning uh, on July 30th, your knockout round is going to begin at 4 a.m. Eastern, Canada, Brazil. Oof. It's going to be a rough one for the diaspora. Uh, I like, I'm going to wake up for this match, even though it's so early, but I want to watch it because I've barely watched any Canada. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rough one. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about getting up for this one too. So actually, this I have a question for you uh, after, I, after I do this. This is going to be fun. Uh, Team GB plays Australia at 5 a.m. Sweden plays Japan at 6 a.m. And the Netherlands takes on the U.S. Women's National Team or this zombie version of them uh, at 7 a.m. on July 30th. My question to you is, say, like just like today, say that the the next U.S. Women's National Team kickoff against Netherlands was at 4 a.m. Would you wake up for it, given what you saw today? I wouldn't. I mean, yes, because we have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't. I straight up wouldn't. Like, I mean, I, I honestly, I probably would only, I probably would. And then depending on their performance, I would either be like, this was the greatest idea I've ever had. Or why did I do this to myself? Courtney, you were so <laughs> silly. Um, because the one thing that, you know, I saw, for example, in this Australia match was like, really, this result does not matter. If we lose, we will still go through. If we tie, we will still go through. If we win, we will still go through. Which talks to kind of the format of the women's soccer at the Olympics anyway, but I digress. So I'm hoping that coming in to this match, even though I will probably already be up obnoxiously early, that we will see something because this Netherlands match to me is really, really interesting because Netherlands has scored like, I think it's 24. It's either 21 or 24 goals. Miedema scored eight of those, but they also, it's not like, the Netherlands haven't conceded goals either. They conceded one today, or sorry, two today, three the previous match, and then three the previous match before that. So it's not like, you know, people can't score goals on them. It's just that they will also, like, they're on the kind of no defense all vibes. It's just like, we'll just outscore you by five goals. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. But even if it was at 4 a.m., I would get up. Yeah, the the Netherlands match is going to be so interesting and honestly kind of what the U.S. women's national team deserves given these performances and these quote-unquote game plans. Um, is this Netherlands team, like they're going to have to come out of their shell because this Netherlands team can score. This isn't going to be like the 2019 game, you know, World Cup final game where they're timid, they play tight. I mean, I do believe that Netherlands, especially given what they've seen in this tournament, it's another reason why you don't do stuff like this is because like, like th- these teams will will prowl like prey on your weaknesses, and this is not a confident U.S. team going in, and mm-hmm. this is a confident Netherlands team going in. So this is this to me is going to be very interesting. Uh, and if it was at four a.m., I'd wake up and check the score. <laughs> I would not get up at four a.m. Seven, I'll do it, but four a.m. I'm not not going to do that just because I just this team hasn't earned it like that. Like like I'm. I'm like personally offended that they did this to me <laughs> at like 4 a.m. It's brutal. Um, do you do you want to run through the bracket real quick before we get out of here uh, and kind of like uh, let people know what the path is, what the bracket looks like uh, going forward? Yeah. So the bracket is split basically into two paths. The first 
Uh, the teams in that path are Great Britain, Australia, Sweden, and Japan. And then on the opposite side of the bracket is Netherlands, USA, Canada, and Brazil. Um, and so from there, you know, basically as soon as you make it to the semifinal, you're guaranteed another match because you have a gold medal match and then a bronze medal match. Um, and so for the U.S. path, they have to beat Netherlands. They have to beat the winner of Canada, Brazil, which I haven't decided who that will be. But also, my I'm hoping for Brazil. I want Brazil to get a medal because I, y'all know how I feel about Formiga. <laughs> so I always want I want Formiga to shine at all times, which she already does. But I also want medals for Formiga. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe Brazil will get through, uh, and then the U.S. will have to be you know the winner of that match, and then the winner of the and then like get and get a gold medal. Which coming from the other side of the bracket, I think Team GB should at least from the form they're in, should get through Australia. Um, and then it'd be dope if Japan knocked out Sweden. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> like, not even just, like, s- like Sweden, but also home team. It's like, you know, it would be great. Um, and, yeah, so then it would... I'm just going to go on Great Britain versus Sweden in the semifinal. And I think Sweden actually would get through them again. They've just been in such good form. Like, even today, they fully rotated and I mean a full squad rotation and still handled New Zealand pretty easily and won two nil. Um, so then it'll be a US Sweden again, gold medal match. But am I super confident that will happen? Honestly, I don't know. What about you? What do you think? Oh, well, I don't think it's going to happen at all. If they happen to get by Netherlands and they end up facing uh, really Canada or Brazil could give them trouble. Um, especially if they're playing, play the way that they've been playing. Um, mm. I don't, I don't know if I see it. Um, I definitely see Sweden get into the gold medal match though. They have been incredible. I looked at who, who they started this match and yeah, they were able to do a whole lot of rotation and rest, uh, for their star players. So like, yeah, um, they're going to be ready for these knockout rounds. So like, um, they're there to me, the team to beat. We'll see. We're going to be here to talk about it. Uh, as the matches continue to, to roll on, we will we will drop pods, you know, uh, reviewing the performances, talking about them. And uh, we'll see July 30th, Netherlands, U.S., 7 a.m. Eastern. See what happens. Get ready for it. I'm so not hyped. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.